You have questions? We have answers. We're two Southern moms on the backside of raising kids. And we have some things to say. We've lived life, made mistakes, and learned some lessons. Join us for answers to the questions you, you just, just want to ask your mom. mom. Hey, welcome to another Just Ask Your Mom podcast. I'm Renee Sproles. I'm Bonnie Blaylock. And today we're going to talk about boomers, Gen X, Y, and Z, millennials. Bonnie, who fits in these categories? Well, I, we're going to find out, aren't we? <laughs> like, how old are they? Are there really any differences? And is it that big of a deal? Yeah, I mean, listen, as the teacher in Ecclesiastes writes, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. But I don't think we always believe that when we're thinking about generations. No, we're thinking there's these old guys and then like push them aside and the new it's time for the new people to come along and and remake everything. But that's not necessarily the case. No, I mean, every generation does come with new norms and new ways of living. But the bond between parents and children is a constant across all cultures, all time periods. There really is nothing new under the sun when it comes to that kind of a bond. Right. But if we isolate from anyone who has come before us, we might find ourselves unnecessarily trying to reinvent the wheel when it comes to our kids, our marriages, our friendships, all the significant relationships in our life. But wouldn't learning from others' lessons be helpful? Yeah. And we'll also gain some what I like to call family along the way. Yes. Friends who become like family. So to help us with this discussion today, I'm so excited. Me too. To have Jessica Holder here with us. Welcome, Jessica. Oh, thank you. Hello, Renee. Hello, Bonnie. I'm so <laughs> stoked for this conversation. <laughs> Good. We are too. So Jessica is married to Justin Holder and is mom to June, born in March. Yes. Can I have some mom advice at the end? We'll trade out generational theory for momming advice. The fact that she yeah. is here speaking and looks so glammed up is I just know. a testament to she's how put together she is. Like better clothes than us and she's got more makeup on her. So. What is what is wrong with this picture? I'm telling you, with a four month old, you need a lot of under eye concealer. That's the trick. That's the key. Okay. Oh, well, you're also a bonus mom to to Lincoln, who is 13, mm -hmm. and Shepard, who is nine, will be 10 in September. Okay. So, so you're I mean, doing it at both ends of the spectrum. Oh, I'm here. telling you, a conversation in our household is never dull. I mean, we're talking in the same breath, diapers as we are dating. So oh, it's a lot goodness. of fun. <laughs> Ooh, it makes your head spin. Yes, Jessica is a national speaker, author, and the founder of Regenerations, which is a company that connects generations to transform our relationships, workplace, and world. She's often called a generational translator, which I love. Her passion is creating understanding among college graduates joining the workforce and their parents' and grandparents' generations who are already in the office. She served as the Director of Talent Development and Internal Communications for a Fortune 500 company, and before that, as a nationally syndicated news reporter and producer. No big deal. Wait, wait. <laughs> One more thing. She's also the author of Regenerate, A Guide to Connect Generations, and her book is available on Amazon. We'll link to that mm -hmm. on our website. And she does training using 
an escape game technique. Tell us about that. Yeah. Oh, this is such a cool way to even start the topic. So so my work is all about helping different generations understand one another and connect so that we can build better relationships and, and a better and stronger future. We're very disconnected, and we'll talk about that in a minute and kind of what's caused that. Um, but I, I was working with a company who was having some generational dynamics, and we really wanted to better understand. I mean, I, I literally have a better together flag that I wave and I take out with me to speaking <laughs> events. But it hit me one day, I don't actually know based on research and the data, if we are really better when we cross our generational boundary lines. I know that in my heart, but what does the data say? And um, when I went to look, I couldn't find any. So I thought, oh, well, then we got to do something about this. And so I partnered with a couple of companies and, and an escape room and um, two research partners. And what we did was we ran same and cross-generational, also known as intergenerational teams, um, through an escape room. And we watched like nutty professors from the other side, right, to kind of see how did they interact? How did they communicate? How did they solve problems? And what happened and what was different about when we paired similar and different generations. Now, simply by nature, escape rooms are going to be a little bit more uh, easy and natural for younger generations. There's nothing new for them in this game. They grew up with this experience, which is, by the way, very similar to what we're seeing in the workplace. A lot of the changes not change for millennials and Gen Z. It's their normal. So we wanted to kind of emulate what we think is happening in the workforce today. And so when we watch these different generational teams come together what ended up happening was was fascinating um, when the 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 intergenerational teams came together it was like uh, watching a middle school dance <laughs> you remember oh. those days <laughs> yes oh capital yeah. a awkward <laughs> awkward it was like each generation didn't know how to interact with one another mm. right and so it was like one was doing the foxtrot and the other like in dance terms the the floss right you got the yeah. waltz going on and the whip and nene so they weren't even quite knowing how to interact with one another and what hit me is this makes sense right because in many of our societies and institutions we've kind of gone into these silos and so when we yeah. do come back in a room together we don't quite know how to dance with one another and one of the things our research found is one of the most important things when we enter the dance is that we enter with a posture of humility seeking to really understand and include those and even maybe ask different generations to to pick the music so what, what we did find in our research which was one of the most unexpected findings was the importance of an and I would say, man, the impact of gaming on we had we had a few teams, y'all. I don't I don't know how to say this kindly. It was rough. I mean, <laughs> they were hashtag struggling. And so I'm thinking, how do we go and behind and make sure that this was a positive experience? Well, they come out of this escape room we built and they were like, Wow, that was fun. High fiving, best time we've ever had. And I was like, really okay good and we started noticing and tracking nonverbal changes and and how these teams were coming together and all of a sudden the things that were dividing us and threatening us when we gamed was really fun and so when i shared this with clients um and in this the, my research partner we wanted to share this experience throughout their organization and we're like well escape rooms are very limiting they're a resource nightmare right from time and cost and transportation so what if we created one in a box um, you all, it was so scrappy. We took like my YMCA lockers, uh, my dad's toolbox, and we put we put together these escape rooms and ran them through their organization and we tracked their learning and development changes. And we saw a, a shift at 
behavior shift, which in my world wow, is that's huge. Very significant. And how generations not only perceived one another to the positive, but how they worked and behaved with one another. So I was telling a client about this and they said, oh, that's really cool. Could you do something like that for us? And I said, well, sure, if I had a game. I, I, yeah, I need some more a game. lockers. Yeah, I need like, more locks. <laughs> and so that's when, um, when Willpower was born. And so it's an escape room in a box utilizing generational thematics. So you track this Hollywood star, you're trying to get the key to her loot. And so to find it, you have to use a tape player and social media. Of course, there's a YouTube channel there's slang and so all perspectives are really needed to unlock success and the cool part is that seeing the conversations that are coming out they're like man I wish we had boomers on our team wow I wish we had a millennial present is really incredible so that's kind of how that birthed and it's taken on a new life of its own I think that is so fun I would totally be in on playing a game oh I should have brought it I I should have brought it next time next time but one thing you said was interesting to me is the perception of one generation to another and I think that gosh just in society in general we see everybody so polarized and in our own camps silos like you said um that that is a huge thing you know, people are always down on teenagers. People of my generation and older, they're, oh, the teenagers, they're just so disrespectful these days. And all the way around, oh, we don't want to go visit grandma and grandpa. They're so boring. All we do is sit there and watch, you know. Lawrence yeah. Welk. Yeah. yeah, Lawrence yeah. Welk. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody even knows what that is anymore. <laughs> so, um, yeah, to have something that would get a perspective change like that, like within an afternoon, is so cool. Yeah, yeah, and and I would say ninety percent of my mission is on on I call it seeing differently, right? And and seeing one another for who we are, maybe mm-hmm. not what we think someone is, mm-hmm. and and I really have seen these perception gaps um, be a real hindrance to what I consider is the glue of this entire conversation. That's mentoring and reverse mentoring that we can all learn from one another. That learning is not mm. contingent upon age or stage, but that we all have something to offer. And as I'm out working with groups across the country, I'm seeing this perception gap. I think it's a great way to say it, Bonnie, that's, well, the, the next generation, you know, I'm not cool enough or I don't know how to speak. And so what advice could I share with them? Mm-hmm. And then I've got the next generation saying, man, I'm lonely. I have so many questions. I don't know where I fit. They're asking identity questions. And and what would happen if we started coming together? And what the research would show is, you know, two of the loneliest gap areas are this kind of emerging adulthood, 20-something demographic, because we're seeing um, rites of passage, like marriage, family, home ownership coming quite later than mm-hmm. previous generations. At the same time, we've got, think about it, our seniors who've lived a great engaged life and maybe you're wondering like where do I fit now and so what would happen if we paired those two groups and they helped one another and Mm so so there's great opportunity if we just take time to really open our eyes and see there's a world that is needing one another and we have all the tools right there if we can kind of see and connect just trying to cross the street a little bit yeah absolutely yeah so um you're doing this in the United States Yes. Uh huh. I'm curious. Yeah. Do you know I, I, other cultures? Surely. And this is yeah. Renee's sort of. Yeah. I know. You know. I love to study Baylor, other cultures. Yeah. Like, but yeah, I'm imagining yeah. China, Asian cultures, things like that would be very different in the way they perceive 
yeah. elders, for yeah. example. They honor age more than we do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So that's a wonderful um, question. And if I may, I think that brings us to kind of framing what we mean by generations, how they're formed and kind of how we look at them. Um, I think if you look at TikTok or social media, or even the news, I'm, I'm going, no, this is not, this is not even framed correctly. So if we may just kind of talk about what do we mean when we talk about generation and then I'm going to ask you yeah. what you think then about different uh, generations across the globe. Okay. So pay attention because okay. you're going to get a quiz Here after this. Okay. All right. We can edit. We can edit. If yeah. Really yeah. There we go. There we go. <laughs> I actually brought a worksheet and you will get a report card. No, just kidding. Um, so, so when we talk about generations today, um, we're looking at the social and cultural influences that impact a group of people as they're coming of age. So this is similar to, but different than life stage, which we go through our different decades of life and very naturally and normally it's a great sign of growth and development that those priorities are gonna ebb and flow and shift and change, right? So if I'm a parent of a teen, I'm probably gonna have a different perspective than a teen, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Let's hope so. If not, we have Absolutely. like what? Freaky Friday, yes. right? So this is, we want to celebrate <laughs> yes. that. What we found with generations, though, those social and cultural influences is that they're enduring and they follow us, those viewpoints, all throughout the different decades of our life, which is why they're so important to understand. So, for example, someone who grew up in the Great Depression time period, slogans like waste not, what not, stay sure. for a rainy, rainy day. day. Yeah. So it's no surprise, right, that a value of financial prudence and stewardship is one that follows us and follows that generation all throughout their lives. So what I want to be mindful of today as we talk about generations is we're certainly not um, having a stereotyping conversation. Um, I love studying human behavior, but there's no tool or assessment that can fully define who we are. Each one of us is incredibly unique. But generations are kind of, let's think of it as a lens, not a label, to better understand one another, like trees in a forest. And we know every tree is incredibly different and unique and they grew up in similar soil with similar exposure to sunlight and rainfall so we can pull away some big ideas about those trees and that's all we do when we look at generations okay so now i want to and, and remind me in a minute I, I really would like to come back to generational theory in a moment because it's i think it's critical for what we're going through in our society today to understand that generations have cycles that repeat giving us a really great clue to where we are and where things are going um, but now I want to ask the question to you all. Sorry. Uh, can you tell you got a trainer facilitator in the room? So based on how I and most sociologists would to kind of define generations, what then do you think about generations across the globe? Can we kind of extrapolate the trends we talk about today in America across the globe? Yes, no, why or why not? Well, I think you could if it were something that was intercontinental. So um, a war, for example, that like a world war that would impact people in another land and here in America. Um, I could think maybe natural disasters as well might be might have big impacts, maybe that were somewhat cross cultural. But also laying on top of that, like um, the honor shame cultures of the Middle East, some of Asia, it's very different than our culture. And so I think that would affect, that's what I was kind of alluding to earlier, how we view generations as um, like where America is very youth oriented and we, we love youth culture and we want to, we, as we grow old, we actually want to look young, right? Yes. (laughs) And and like, we don't want to have the gray hair and we don't want to show the wrinkles. Whereas in other cultures, that's a sign of honor and wisdom. So I think, I think that, 
Yes and no. Bonnie, what do you think? Yeah, I think so too. I think it really depends on, um, well, the time and place in which you were born makes a big difference of where you're ending up. Like Steve Jobs became Steve Jobs because he was born right at the time supercomputing was exploding. And it was just sort of luck of the draw. Um, I love 80s music because, well, it's the best, but also yeah. because that was <laughs> clearly, that was my high school and that's what I carry right, with me. Right. Um, so I think in different cultures, all of that will be different. Right. Yeah. So I, I would probably align with your answer to Renee, like on, on, I say ish, right. I think some of this is kind of squishy. So yes and no. Um, yes. In more emerging generations, we're seeing more consistency due to globalism, I mean, the Some internet um, world. experiences. Mm-hmm. So like in China, millennials are called post 80s. Or there's the, they're seeing very similar, I'm going to say the word struggle isn't the wrong word, but some of the similar trends mm-hmm. of millennials, um, similar in India. Um, and, and even, I mean, you think about even in um, anywhere where there's this access to technology. I was working with a Maasai tribe once and they were talking about how this phone was really causing generational friction because when they were looking at malaria and some of the causes, some of the younger were challenging the chief that I think we could use a net. And the chief thought, well, I can tell you like a different story based on my experiences. So then they've got this phone trying to share with the chief. And so it's causing this generational collision. However, that being said, when you think about the different cultures, generations are formed by their place in time so culture is everything in that so even within the united states you know a boomer growing up in california is going to have a different experience than a boomer who grew up here in in tennessee you know i live i'm from east tennessee right and the experience i had growing up there is different than even living in middle tennessee now and so we want to really make sure that we're cognizant of that the role that culture plays because certainly the baby boomers in china had a very different experience than the baby boomers in north america mm-hmm. so i believe actually the conversation of generations and geography is one that's a really rich and thoughtful conversation to be having right now. I know. I just think we can always learn so much because it's uh, when we look at other cultures because it's easier to see. <laughs> I, um, it's easier to see the quirks of someone who's not like you than it is to see your own. Mm-hmm. And then, it, then you can, but you can reflect and go, okay, now what are we doing? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. why are we doing and it? Why? <laughs> yes. You don't want to stop to ask yourself. The core question is why. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, we've talked about yeah. this in terms of food and children, yeah. potty training and children. Yeah. Lots of cultures around the world do things yeah. pretty differently. And sometimes I just go, wow, that seems so wise. Why yeah. is nobody here? Why is no one? Yeah. yeah we just it. do it because we've always done we it We just do way. it because we've always yeah. done it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, okay. So that's a cool thought that the generations that the way you're describing generations as products of our time and place. Mm-hmm. But what can you just okay? It makes my head spin. What's a boomer? Yeah, What's yeah. Gen X? What's sure. Y? Millennial? Can you walk us through those? Yes, and let me kind of give you their ages. Um, so boomers, and I'm happy to share any events, moments if you want styles. Um, most of the work I do is on really, man. I think we got to take time to share our stories. I, I want to go back real quickly to what you said about why. Like when we know a why, we can easily figure out the how. And so I think a critical conversation for generations to have is sharing why. Maybe because a lot of the friction is. 
wow, why are we doing it this way or, or whatnot? Well, maybe there's a reason, mm-hmm. right? And that we need to communicate that. Or maybe there's something that needs to be updated. So the why questions I think are going to really challenge us all to grow because I think they're back to perception. Bonnie is a lot of perceptions that we're not we're not tapping deep enough into those why. So we want to make sure, and we're going to look at Gen X is like, if you don't communicate why, and this is kind of the, That's you know, yeah, I do know that one. You, you've lost him. Yeah. Yeah. So boomers are roughly 58 to 76 years old and in 2022, um, Xers 42 to 57 millennials, you call Gen Y also known as millennials, Gen Y emerging adults, extended adolescents, America's and the workplace's largest generation, roughly 26 to 41. I'm right in that category. My clients all make sure that I know that I am now officially a geriatric millennial and a geriatric <laughs> mom. So I'm real proud of that. Thank you. And Thank you for pointing that that's, out. that's my new flag. I'm going to wave, uh, GM geriatric mom and geriatric millennial and Gen Z. Um, this is a generation that's rising right now that there's a lot of demographic confusion with that many are, are confused thinking it's the millennials but this is gen z they're 10 to 25 years old coming after that most are calling them generation alpha like xyz back to a mm-hmm. um, but the ones that we know about right now and the the living generations are are going to be the traditionalist boomers xers millennials Zers and now alpha. So in society, I would say there's six generations. In the work I do, we look at the kind of the four primary generations in the workforce. Okay. So just for a practical, what does this look like example? I'm a Gen X, mm-hmm. right? And my dad is a little bit right before a boomer, yeah. I would say. Um, but, you know, right on the cusp of that. And we had some not headbutting, but just different. And I've seen this in other families too, where he wanted to go in person to the bank and to the post office to pay the bill, you know, and all the things around town. Um, and I'm just like, look, we can set that up online. And I know my kids are this way, <laughs> way past that with me. But um, for me, it was all about convenience. Like this is so easy. We can get it done da, 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 da. for him. It was all about relationship. Well, I'm going to know the guy at the post office and maybe the only person I speak to today might be this lady at the bank. And it was just a different, um, yeah, because of where he was in life. So um, it was a different why. Yes, exactly. Which affected the how. Yes. Which is a classic example. And he example. didn't want me to yeah. change it to right. the right. yeah. convenience. Yeah. And, and that's a, actually a beautiful example, Bonnie. If I were to pick one, I'd say, and that's classic Gen X, that um, this generation, and again, I want to make sure I clarify the ages here, 42 to 57-ish time uh, or, or age right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they, I mean, they grew up Challenger Disaster, Operation Desert Storm, International Space Station technology began to come in and boom. These are also a generation that's very skeptical and independent. They saw a lot of things fail, scandals in the government, scandals in churches, mom and dad now both entering the workforce and then getting laid off of the layoffs of the early 80s. We saw missing kids on milk carton, razor blades showing up in Halloween candy. So this generation is a little more independent, a little bit more skeptical, and they're really big on being efficient. Um, because and, and asking the talk about a why question, this generation questions everything. And so part of the work I do is helping to understand when Gen X is questioning something. Because imagine for a boomer who grew up in a 
in a world where they were taught and at their peak they were 80 million strong this means to get a job or a position of leadership they kind of had to prove that they were the one and really work hard to get their way there so work hard for a boomer is often associated with time Mm. and place Mm -hmm. we're going to look at emerging generations it has nothing to do with being in a physical place or how much time has to do with what outcome that you produced Mm -hmm. and so you can begin to see how these classes like each generation can say maybe i work hard but we have very different definitions of what hard work means so we all feel like we're working hard but then we're fighting about it right Mm. so you can see with the xers (laughs) think about this upwards for for xers who are questioning because they want to improve the world around them they want to work smarter not harder Um, with a baby boomer who was raised that the model is you come in and you work hard and you gain that leadership and with that comes authority and that authority is not to be questioned exactly so can you begin <laughs> to see that head. Yeah. <laughs> well you begin to yeah. see how yeah. what each generation is doing just based on their coming of age experience and mm-hmm. their culture one by the way is not right or wrong they're just different mm-hmm. and when they come together you can begin to see how they can collide even with positive intent. Mm -hmm. So the work I do in generational translation is trying to, well, I have kind of two parts. One is the awareness on the front end before the collision happens. The other is I do a lot of work where the, we've already uh, communicated those things and there's some fires burning. And so the, what I've realized is kind of how you all open this podcast is more often than not, we're after the same things. We want the same things. Sure, we're all, all people want it's, the same yes. things, right? We want to belong. Yes. We want to be seen. Valued. We want to be heard. Yes. We want to have purpose. Yes. We know we're making a difference. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so this is really interesting to me because I think most of our mom listeners, Bonnie, are millennials and we have a handful of Gen Zers, really young moms. Yes. Mm-hmm. So tell us their perspective on life. Yeah, I'm actually interested in that. So one of the things that we've seen, particularly with millennials, is the rise of this, as we mentioned, um, emerging adulthood. So many millennials, I want to say it was back in 2017-ish, is when we started to really see the rise in parenting. And so undergirding all we're kind of looking at is this geeky theory called generational theory. And what it would say is that each generation kind of overcompensates from perceived lacks when they were growing up. So as a result, we get caught in these same four cycles. Again, I want to pin that to come back to you in a minute. But how this relates to parenting is look back over over time, you know, I know the traditionalist who's the boomer parents, the parenting style was kind of children are seen and not heard. If there's stuff happening in the family, we shoosh, right? You just put it under the rug. Mm-hmm. Boomers rebelled against that. They followed more of the Dr. Spock methodology, the child centric, you are special. Um, and so we started really, and that's how millennials were parented is very much, where would you like to go on vacation? It was a, it was a really um, <laughs> great economic time. So sorry. Yes. We're shaking our heads. Uh, okay, yeah. No. <laughs> so it was, um, that was kind of the, in, in the self-esteem movement that mm-hmm. we saw um, Xers who are now parenting Gen Zers in large part. And again, I want to be careful today that I'm going to speak broadly, but yes. we want to yeah. make sure we yes. frame it back. Because you're right. Like, your dad was military. That greatly influenced sure. yeah. the way he parented. Yeah. yeah. 
So, yeah. Right. And yeah. I did not ask my children, where would you like to go on vacation? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no. I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Coming. Yes. Like you're saying, it's yes. a waves. Yeah. It's waves. Yeah. It's definite yeah. waves. And they're waves that are opposite of how they were, totally opposite of how mm-hmm. they were parented. Right. So that has impacted millennials. And then Zers, nobody has bent over backwards for them. And no one helicoptered over because boomers are notorious in parenting for this. If you've heard of helicopter parenting, mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. go in and kind of so, so that's how millennials have been parented. Xers are saying, man, no one did that for us. We love our Gen Zers. We're going to let them fail. We're always going to be there for them, but we're going to let them fail. So now the question mark, right, is millennials and how are they going to parent? A lot of what the research is showing is more of kind of this gentle parenting technique. There's mm-hmm. a few um, TikTok. I'm thinking of Dr. Becky. You all know her Instagram, TikTok. She's kind of the millennial parenting guru. And so it's a lot more of the gentle parenting technique. However, I will say that there's a lot of research being done right now on millennial parenting to see if they will boomerang Mm -hmm. in a different direction than how they were raised. So I actually would ask the question to your group. I think it's a fascinating one is how are millennials going to parent? A lot of the research would show just a, a lot more like just really engaged and getting the right kind of food, the right diapers, a lot of pressure on moms. I mean, (sighs) yeah, there's a lot of pressure because they are, they never known like technology is just um, ubiquitous in their world. And because of that, they've grown up with um, a lot of curation Yeah, and a lot of um, everything's posted, everything's public. Um, I know what everybody else is doing and what I'm not doing in particular. There's this great book by Rainsford Stauffer um, called An Ordinary Age finding your way in a world that expects exceptional and she's speaking for that generation and i i just found it fascinating and so much pressure for that generation to carry like we have to do everything exactly right and and they're so anxious yeah they're anxious parents of course like it's you know i'm 40 and i get on uh Facebook. I'm still on Facebook. I'm one of those. I just need to have a confession. I still like Facebook. Um, and that is going to say all kinds of things about me. I'm on Instagram. I'm on all the channels, but I really, I do like that. But I got on the other day and I'm like, oh, wow, their four month old is doing this and theirs is doing that. And mine's not. Is June behind? Are we? And all of a sudden I thought, oh, no, no, no. You're beginning to compare and June is doing great and their kids are doing great. But when you see it, and so definitely, Millennials, the pressure and the the, the mental health part has yes. been that's a big thing for millennials and Zers, a, particularly for Generation Z, mm-hmm. and so that's a lot to process. And how and, and part of me wonders um, if if one of these emerging generations will rebel against that to say like no more will I let this be the standard for how I live my life because I can tell you I know a lot of miserable people who yeah. look really great mm-hmm. online, but I know the behind the scenes. And it's because they're spending time comparing yeah. to a highlight reel. So so yeah, I Gosh, think yeah. you see birthday parties for kids that are insta good and it's like, wow, like how do, how can you compete? Mm-hmm. Or how does this mom look like this after she just had a baby and I'm struggling? Is there something wrong with me? So I think I, there's really, gotta be a backlash for that, right? We oh, cannot would, continue and be healthy just, as yeah, a nation. I agree. There has totally to be agree. another yeah. rebound. And I, I really believe the millennials or Gen Zers will, will see this and call for better because yeah. um, that's not fair to anyone, mm-hmm. but especially to yourself. I mean, I've thought of it. I felt really isolated um, when I was staying home in those um, baby preschool years because really I had Martha Stewart and 
three other channels on my TV <laughs> to hear adult conversation during the day. I mean, there uh, there was no social media. There was no cell phone. And so I, on the one hand, it's like, oh, wow, I, I can instantly pick up with my friends in Indiana or my friends in North Carolina and see what they're doing and have a little little touch right there. But it's not that anymore. It, or if it ever was that, I feel like you're, it's what you're saying. It's it's bringing us so much um, anxiety because we're comparing ourselves. And um, it's not necessarily, it's a false sense of connection. For sure. Well, and I think it's like any tool, it's how we steward it, right? So, okay, yes. so on the positive side are mom's groups, our groups of like, okay, my daughter is four months. How do I start introducing purees with June? Okay, that's something I'm thinking about this very moment. Okay, well, there's groups that I can learn from. Mm-hmm. But then there's this other side of it, right, that's like bombarding with information. And I think that's where a lot of the anxiety comes mm-hmm. for millennials and Zers is like, oh, wow, well, this site says sleep training at this age. This site says no sleep training. This <laughs> site says this. And so a lot of my mom friends, this is more me speaking personally than generationally, is are just overwhelmed and feel like they're not doing a good job at everything. And I'm thinking, oh, you're doing wonderful. We need to be spending our time cheering each other on. And yeah, so that's a great segue into, okay, then how do we use generations to, to encourage one another and to, to spirit each other on instead of the grandparents coming in and saying, you know, you're going to spoil a child if you hold them too much or you're going to, oh oh, gosh, triggered, I'm triggered. (laughs) Yeah. I'm very fortunate not any How of our grandparents. Know? I just want to clarify. Um, but when people say that, like it, that, that can be really hurtful. And that's maybe something to bring up with moms um, is that you're doing your best and, and people don't know your, your, you know, your story. So when they come in with that advice, so I think a lot of it when we think of across generations is how to communicate and ways that different generations can hear. Because, for example, um, those in the boomer generation are a little more direct. Or those in the traditional, <laughs> yes, like, they are. the military, right? Like, here's what we're going to do, now do it. Well, when that happens to me, like, I'm crying. Like, <laughs> are you mad at me? Why are you yelling, you know? Right. And, and so to know that millennials in general, again, each one of us is different, but in general is a more relational generation. So building those relationships. But I think about how having the the women who've been there and done that, not to come in and say, here's your three-point plan, but to say, how can I help to mm. listen, to love, and, and to form relationships in that way? I, I'll never forget after I had June for two weeks, we had meals from women in my dance class. Y'all, I do a hip-hop dance class. I, I mean, can see that about you. I did you really? Okay, that. that makes me I so happy. It. I was like, don't let my stiff corporate side <laughs> no, no. blind you from seeing that I can hip-hop line dance. <laughs> line dance, of course, it's choreographed. Um, so, but the women in my class came, all my elders, and brought food. And what amazed me is they stayed and they talked and they told me stories of having their children and they told me their struggles. And all of a sudden what I was experiencing felt normal. Mm -hmm. And so we have got to be careful across generations that we don't isolate. And again, I think a lot of it comes down to not only being there, but the tone in which we approach it so that the message can be heard. Right, that question, how can I help? What do you need? Those two mm-hmm. things right there. What's on your mind? It's all you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that's yeah. what a lot of the research with Gen Z is showing who's, you know, navigated the p- pandemic and a lot of things is they need to talk. Trust me. I, I just did a study and we had a hundred percent completion rate. And what they said in that survey was, I mean, they're going through a lot. They have a lot to share. But part of it is 
is us humbly, like we talked about the escape room, humbly, how are you doing? How has the pandemic impacted your life? And just letting them, I call it word vomit all over Mm -hmm. you, right? And then, and what else? Keep talking. So the more we can create a presence where all generations can just talk and share. And then when the time is right, I'd love to share a time where I went through a hardship and here's what I learned. And that's when the mentoring and reverse mentoring can come, but it has to be within the grounds of of a relationship that's been built. Sure. I think that whole tell me more Mm -hmm. kind of thing where you let somebody just say their stuff Mm -hmm. is that's just basic emotional intelligence, Mm -hmm. which I don't think we have much of, (laughs) but we can learn to do better. Yeah. That's a different podcast. Yeah, it is. It's like the five whys. You really don't get to what they really um, are, are struggling with or want to know until you keep asking. So just being that person. And I, I just wrote a post about this the other day because, you know, I'm, I'm a bonus mom to a 13 year old boy, you know, and, a, and of course a nine year old, but 13 year old boy is, it's a lot with social media. How do we navigate this as parents? And in many ways, I think, how can I relate to him? I mean, we're different in every way that you can be different personality, everything, but but I love him so much and mm-hmm. I want to get to know him. I get emotional. <laughs> so neat being a bonus mom, you know, really loving these kids. Um, anyways, so I just try, <laughs> I just listen. I ask a lot of questions. Yeah. We do dinner cards and you all now, he comes to me and asks, are we going to do the cards? Mm-hmm. And I think so often with the next generation, they get a bad rap, right? And I don't, they won't think I'm cool or they won't relate to me when really all I think like we're all wanting is that they just want to feel cared for and loved. And Mm so to provide that for these moms is critical because in many ways they are feeling overwhelmed, anxious, and alone. It is an isolating season. Yeah. This is a great segue to this article that I kind of, it brought me back to this as we were talking about doing this interview with Jessica. Um, David Brooks, he wrote this in March of 2020 for The Atlantic. It's, it was um, entitled, The Nuclear Family Was a Mistake. Talk about a compelling title for an article. I'm like, <laughs> excuse me, what? It's going to be some crazy yeah. you know, yeah. thing saying we should bust up nuclear families. But I but love David Brooks. He's it, usually it, super wise. Yeah, David Brooks is great. And so, um, that's, and that's why I went forward and I was like, okay, what's he, what's he saying here? I'll just read a little bit of it. He said, if you want to summarize the changes in family structure over the past century, the truest thing to say is this. We've made life freer for individuals and more unstable for families. We've made life better for adults, but worse for children. We've moved from big, interconnected, and extended families, which helped protect the most vulnerable people in society from the shocks of life, to smaller, detached nuclear families, a married couple and children, which give the most privileged people in society room to maximize their talents and expand their options. The shift from bigger and interconnected extended families to smaller and detached nuclear families ultimately led to a familiar, familial system that liberates the rich and ravages the working class and the poor. He goes on to say, in 1850, about 75% of Americans older than 65 lived with their kids and grandkids. And nuclear families existed, of course, but they were surrounded by extended families. But then when factories opened, people moved to cities, and young men and women left their extended families to chase the American dream. That's what we're seeing, wouldn't you say, Bonnie? We're, Mm -hmm. We're meeting you know, millennial moms and dads, families, and they're desperate for extended family. 
they maybe they don't have one nearby that happens a lot of times maybe they do have them nearby and wish they weren't yeah, yeah. <laughs> so there's a lot close. of dysfunction a, a lot, lot of dysfunction, of dysfunction. Yeah. and that's part of the reason we started this podcast is because we were interacting with so many young women who couldn't ask their mom or didn't want to ask their mom because you do this for a living how would you go about creating a network if you because the we're not going to go all live on farms like in 1850 and have our aunts and uncles and grandparents all around us so how would you recommend or how do you personally build this interconnected bigger family where you can do life together yeah I think um the word I would use is I intentionality right um because I think it was back in the 70s where we really shifted so so by the way I tend to be a kind of middle of the road girl like I don't think going all extreme intergenerational is right I don't think going all extreme life and stage is right I think that we need a mix of both to be really healthy and flourishing um, as individuals and as a collective community so so but finding that mix i agree with you is more challenging than it's ever been which is interesting that we're more connected than we've ever been and we're also more isolated and lonely than we've ever been so i think you have to be really intentional about seeking that out so avenues like church getting to know your neighbors um and back to church which is a really interesting um, area when we talk about generations is really one of the only institutions that I'm aware of where all generations for the most part are there and represented. So that is a rich opportunity to really connect. I've made a lot of friends in my dance class. I think if you're looking for it, you will find it. What's happening and what I've found in, in my studies is that we're not even, I'm, I'm talking, we're passing each other and not even making eye contact yeah. anymore. So we did a challenge just to see how it would go. The challenge was just see and say hi to someone from a different generation. That's it, right? It's pretty simple. Well, all of a sudden, it turns out people had a lot to say. <laughs> and it was amazing the connections that started forming. So I would say if you're doing it individually to just be looking out for it because there's people at the grocery store, make those outreach, but know what you're looking for. Know for the type of mentor, the type of a person you're looking for. And as you see them and invite them in. And by the way, that takes great vulnerability because Mm -hmm. when you invite people in, some may come in and some may say, I can't really invest in you in this season of life. And Mm -hmm. so it takes a lot of vulnerability on all sides when we start inviting these intergenerational um, moments into our life. It could be having lunch with someone from a different generation. I mean, it's it's really nothing. There's no rocket science, right? It's just making an effort. Yeah. And what comes out of that is beautiful. And and it's not a lunch necessarily. I'm thinking of um, top down, like me for a younger person. I'm not just there to say, okay, like you said, here's my three-step plan for your life. <laughs> Go forth and use it. It's, hey, tell me about what are your struggles? What's going on in your world? And what's, it's got to be a back and forth two-way thing. It's yeah. not just one to another. It's yeah. so fun. I really yeah, feel like, so um, fun. like I, my 30-year-old friends, I'm talking to you ladies, <laughs> you know who you are. That's so, I'm so honored to get to do life with them and kind of do the parenting thing all over again um, by proxy, yeah. by seeing them yeah. do all the things. And I, I get to reminisce and remember how I did it and cheer them on. Just saying, like, you can do it. It feels really hard because it is. And you can still do it. Yeah. <laughs> and just to say, like, it is hard. Like, 
oh okay yes. i'm not crazy this is hard yes. and not to not feel guilty to say that yeah absolutely and then institutionally I, I do think we have to be again i word intentional about creating intergenerational moments events situations and that's where I, I think teaching is a great way to do that like it could be teaching a subject it could be teaching how to so justin had something he needed fixed i'm like oh no don't ask me don't ask me so i need to come to your podcast and say i'm going to call the moms right <laughs> help me but like learning those things life skills and the next generation can teach us so much more than just technology often we say just teach us tech well they could teach us a lot more than that mm -hmm. so it's creating those moments and and i'm telling you all you have to do is put people in a room. I typically do it as a facilitator by asking a question. So we do story sharing. It takes five minutes and I just, I have partner one share. This is what life was like for me growing up. And here's what I remember from childhood. Here's what was the culture was like, what we watched on TV or, or whatever device they use, right? And then partner two honors by listening to their story. Then we switch and they share and listen. What comes out of that five minute interaction is priceless so it's it's not none of this is hard it just requires us to be thoughtful about it and to create those situations yeah i think that's fun i think what a fun exercise would be is to have um this just brought this to mind because we were we had one at our house the other night is to put objects on a table like um and then see what people do with them a rotary phone a slide rule uh you know certain things like that and then something new technology which I can't even begin to name probably. I don't know what they are. And just to see how people interact with them or guess what they are. I see some videos like that with kids sometimes. I think that's fun. It's really, yeah, it's really fun. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking your game, Jessica, would be like uh, fun for Thanksgiving or Christmas. Yeah, if you're yes. going to be uh -huh. with extended family yeah. anyway, it's like use that time to... in a good way yes, like, well, let's not talk about politics yes. let's play this well, game yeah. yes but you guys are tapping into something that's so critical because when we think about this from a family dynamic really for many as as i'm hearing you all say and i'm very included in in kind of your target audience my mom lives, and i'm very close with my mom she's my best friend and she lives five hours away so we have to, I mean, some days I just call her mom. I just wish you were, I just need mom, you know, mm -hmm. so that what you all do is, I want to thank you. It's incredible and it's much needed. Um, but when you think about it for families, holidays are really one of the only times for many that all the family members are there or close together. So again, with some thoughtfulness, it can be a really great time to share life lessons, to share stories. Really, the generational story is one about belonging and legacy. Like, so yeah. do you know your family's story? Do you know where you come from? Do you know um, what life lessons that your grandmother would teach you? And so one of the things we do in our family is we do a family story share. And I just put, again, I'm big on cards, yeah, evidently. Yeah, I wanted you to tell. Yeah. What, what is that? What did you, you mentioned yes. the cards before. So, well, so, so for, for the holidays, I created some. I'd be happy to share for your guests just as families come together. Just like, what are your favorite Christmas memories? What are your favorite Thanksgiving memories? Um, what are your hopes and dreams for a new year? What traditions matter to you? What traditions would you like to add? And just sitting generations mix at the Christmas table or at the Thanksgiving table rather than always just kids and adult tables to have those conversations. You can record them on your phone. There's all kinds of new tools and apps to kind of capture those stories because 
if we don't know where we've been, like, how are we going to know where we go? And I'm, my heartbreak is that I'm concerned that we're not sharing those stories. Yeah. And we're so much now. Yeah. I can think of holiday table. Some, a lot of times yeah. at a lot of houses, the grownups go in and watch the football game and they're yeah. on a screen of one kind and the yeah. younger kids are in another room on a different sort of mm-hmm. screen and you're not really having interaction at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And maybe that could be a challenge for this podcast is the holiday or whatever we want to call it to encompass several moments or whenever your family gathers utilize those moments to talk Mm -hmm. and get to know one another you could make up three questions i'm happy to send the questions i use what i've learned is it really doesn't matter (laughs) just give something to spark conversation Mm -hmm. now the table the 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 i'm sorry the cards we use at our family every thursday we do a taco thursday and i have found that creating tradition is really important for our family and that the boys know like no matter what is happening in their life that Thursday is going to be Taco Thursday. Yes. It also makes cooking a lot easier. Yeah, so <laughs> yeah also makes the grocery store like that's no crying in the kitchen about one, what to cook for dinner. Yeah, right. Like one anxiety removed. So, um, but we just we make the table and then we put these little cards out. They're by table topics and they have all of these different cards, themes, kids, adults. We use the adults because we want our boys to just yeah, you know like have they're mm-hmm. big like let's have conversation. And they just love it. Mm. And so that's what we use. You can make your own. Uh, You could go on Instagram has a ton. I would just say to the moms, don't make it stressful. Make it easy. Make it fun. The whole intent is just to drive conversation. And discover something about somebody Mm -hmm. else. Oh, listen. Mm -hmm. Yes, you get to know them. Yeah, Sort of like um, Bonnie and I did highs and lows with our kids. So it was the best thing that happened today. What's the worst thing that happened? How do you see God working in your life today? Those kind of questions. Mm -hmm. You're right. It doesn't really matter the question as long as you get talking. Yeah. Set those phones down. Yeah. Talking. Yeah. Okay. So there's lots of great things about intergenerational relationships, but uh, David Brooks in his article notes that there were also drawbacks to extended families um, that they can be stifling. Everybody's in everybody else's business. Yeah. Um, there's more stability, but sometimes less mobility. You feel like less free to move away. And the group can be prioritized over the individual. Yep. In the South, we refer to this as mom and M, as in, <laughs> hey there, honey, how's your mom and M? So the implication is that they're taken as a unit, right? Yeah. Even living on the same street yes. or having property in different houses. So what are some of the drawbacks for, you know, all of these intergenerational relationships? Yeah, I would agree with everything David Brooks said. So I think it's, again, back to this balance of, I think one of the greatest jobs we can do as a parent is to equip um, your, your children to become independent, strong people who can make it and make wise decisions, have great discernment. So that requires them to have that individuality, right? And that I think should be celebrated and integrated. So I think it is that balance of um, allowing the individual to develop. You don't want to develop. I've seen a lot of codependencies. Um, it's often a lack of growth if it's always, you know, taken care of. And then you've done a real disservice because eventually um, parents' families will age and things will change and you're going to enter new seasons and and many are ill-prepared for that. So I think it's got to be a balance mm, of a good point. individual and collective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is kind of hard just thinking, you know, you love them really, really well, but then you also want them Mm-hmm. It's the hardest to part. To leave you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what we talk a lot about our at our house is that decisions that at what point do we start 
backing off and allowing that autonomy because we want them to be Lincoln, Shepherds, June's, eventual decisions, discernment, sure. mm-hmm. faith, whatever the issue may mm-hmm. be. So it's it's that that fine line. But if you're if you're always doing everything for or with, you often lose that. And I think that individuality is critical to have. Yeah. If you know your people are there for you, like they're always there, yeah. that's the best mm-hmm. kind of intergenerational. It, that helps you launch out with so much security and safety. Oh, yeah. But let's the opposite is exactly true. When you don't have that, and then you have that lack of security and safety, I believe that's when the anxiety, the depression, um, it is hard. And I know a lot of people, and again, I believe what the research would show pretty clearly is there's a lot of loneliness in our society today, a lot of isolation. So I believe those intergenerational relationships within the proper context could be a real solution for those challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Well, what do you think makes intergenerational relationships difficult when it comes to child rearing? We, um, there's a, there's one we get a lot. Yeah. We'll get you started. <laughs> and that's food allergies because like that wasn't a thing when we were kids and that wasn't sure wasn't a thing when my parents were kids. So we have a lot of grandparents who are, who like, just think, think it's like pretend. They're, they're kidding. Yeah, I I totally, I think no matter what the, let's call it the content is, right? Food allergies, mental health uh, conversations, you pick the poison, right? Um, It's a lot of how it's presented, right? So again, back to how we communicate it, not only the words, but the tone, right? So I I remember one time I had had someone tell me we've had a lot of sleeping issues with our daughter and... um, well, just go drive her in the car. That's how all my kids went to sleep. And so I just remember thinking like, number one, like there's no, it's not like that. No, no. Like for so many reasons, no, but that because it worked for her, then it must work for me. And Mm -hmm. so what I hear and see a lot is we've got to be careful that because this was my experience, And I believe, again, I want to be really uh, thoughtful about how I see this because I do believe it's coming from a good intent, a positive place of trying to help someone. But when you kind of forecast based on your experience, most particularly of the next generation are going to shut down. Yeah. Yeah. And I, oh, this, this comes to fruition a lot with technology because, um, I think a lot of times we can't articulate as parents or grandparents why it is that this is bugging us so much and the whole phone thing um when you're when you're together and i did this with my kids a lot you know put just put your phone down just put your phone down leave it at the you know get off your phone all i can't even see your head your face your i all i see is your head but i didn't necessarily always say why that made me so um it was hurtful because to me i want to see your face you it's not that you are doing this thing, but it's that I am not feeling seen and heard, which we all just said was the thing mm-hmm. we all want. So if I can communicate that in a way, they would be more sympathetic than me just saying, get off your phone, get off your phone. Because to them, their phone is their link to life. Mm-hmm. And I again, that's I think that's a great question when things happen in a family. Okay, like, why why does this bother you? And, and not, why does it bother you? Like, so much is tone, like, oh, I'm yeah. really... I see that you're upset. Thank you for, you know, sharing that. Can you explain what, you know, why? And and likewise, us, we have those conversations a lot mm-hmm. with the boys is, 
this is not our intent is not to be like, you know, Ruining dad and evil life. stepmom, right? <laughs> yeah, we love yeah. you. And yeah. I said, but anything we do or say is always with your best interest in mind because we love you. We want to protect you. We do a lot of story sharing in our family. Like we've got yeah. this dog, Bella. She's my 15-year-old puggle. And this girl is like, Pug Houdini. I mean, she could get out of anywhere. I, I don't know how she does it, this little escape artist. But I said, you know how when Bella escapes the fence and she, she's deaf and she, she's almost blind, like we're, we're nervous for her because she can't see the cars around her. So why do we have the fence? And the boys, boys are always like, well, we want to keep Bella safe. We love Bella. I said, okay. So sometimes, you know, we have these, these fences, these boundaries because we want to protect you. And so I have found for us, the more we listen and share stories, and mm -hmm. stories with the research would show would unite the brains or connect, sync the brains between the storyteller and the listener, which makes yes. it. Yes, we've talked about that. Yeah, yeah. really good. It's they, a they, great tool. It's actually, your yeah, your you're, brain sync. You're, yeah. yeah, it's really neat. Really neat. It's, and I think that's cool. And one of the most tried and true and pure forms of communication and connecting across differences. But to your point, like I think what's happening is so often. We all have a story, we all have an experience, we all have a perspective, and there's a lot of good stuff there, and there's a lot of hurts and insecurities. So we're all coming in with these lenses, sure. and they're often clashing. And so being able to understand those lenses, and that's what this generational conversation is about, is one that can help us disarm, right? And better mm -hmm. understand and relate. So honestly, it's helped me when I've gotten texts from certain generations one time a gen xer made me cry because they're so direct I'm like that really hurt my feelings but <laughs> we don't i don't understand that at all we yeah, would never okay. do that to someone would we Bobby? Like, no, no. do not make me cry on this pod i already have i guess but um so it's it's understanding that i know okay this gen xer respects me enough that she's being direct as to not waste my time or her time what an honor Whereas before, I would have cried, right? So it's understanding these dynamics. And then we're not mad at each other. Yes. We understand, actually, yes. there's often a lot of respect there. Wow. Oh, that's really helpful. It really is. <laughs> it really is. Just to take take a step back, take a pause, yes. don't react immediately, and, yes. and ask those questions of yourself. Like, where am I actually coming from? And where are they actually coming from? And then you interact. You don't just give yourself a pause. Mm -hmm. I think that's helpful in a lot of areas mm -hmm. of life. And, you know, you're making me think uh, one of the best things motherhood did for me was help me work on my stuff. Gosh, yes. Because I knew I couldn't be the mom I wanted to be if I was carrying around all this baggage. And so if we do that, if we, if we allow ourselves to uh, be honest with ourselves and work on what we need to be working on and heal up hurts or any other things that are going on with us, we can hear from other people yeah. in different ways and not immediately go to that anxious, yeah. sad, angry place. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think if we have the maturity and growth mindset and all these things, we're ready for this point in our life, the, the things that rub us the wrong way, I think we should really pay attention to mm. and ask ourselves before them, Ooh. like, why is this bothering me so much? Mm -hmm. And keep going, do the five whys there, and it's brave work, but more often than not, what I have seen in my personal life and what I've seen in my work is that it's often less to do with the other person and a lot more to do with, with our own stuff, as mm -hmm. you say. That's a hot take right there. Yep. <laughs> there you go, trick bomb. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> for real, oh. for real, for real. Mm -hmm. 
Okay, so um, what have we missed? What would you want to tell our listeners? Like one more thing? Or did we not ask you something that you think, hey, this is really important? Um, You know, I would just encouraging moms. I think um, encouragement across generations, encouragement to one another. um, It's a tough world out there. And there's a lot of um, perceived standards for moms and women. And so I think now more than ever, we need to be coming in, standing in the gap for one another, listening, encouraging, and loving. So to the moms, I would say you're doing a great job. Yes. Like You're, you're doing, doing great. great. You really are. And yeah. um, it's such a high calling. And just want to encourage that, like, of all the things you could be doing, you're impacting a life or multiple lives. And that's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. It really is. I don't know if you've seen the movie The Intern. Yes. Love that movie. Do you use clips of it in your thing at all? Uh, Yeah, I I actually do when we talk about generational bias. Yes. Yes. I love that movie so much. It's uh, Robert De Niro and Anne Hathaway. I think it was 2015 or somewhere around there. It's hilarious. Yeah. This old guy at work, and then he comes into this place with cubicles and openness and all that. He's wearing a tie. They're wearing jeans. All of the stereotypes, and it's such a great little... that might be fun story. viewing. I haven't watched it, so I mean, we may have to watch that one this weekend. It's cute. Well, okay. One last thought here. I always like to kind of go back to scripture and go, okay, do I see this reflected there? And Kara Jenkins on the Ministry to Children website um, was really talking about intergenerational ministry for children and how important it is. And she wrote this: the call for one generation to share its faith and story. You keep saying that, the story, with future generations is deeply embedded in the Jewish tradition. From the first century onward, Christian faith communities have been intergenerational communities. And in the Old Testament, the Israelite community was built around this concept. Um, When God set his people Israel in order, he placed each individual within a family, each family within a tribe, and each tribe within the nation. And no generation was excluded, no child left out, no older person put aside. Within each tribe were the components of family, and they were community. And so that was a relational community where the older generations were to, as they lie down and when they get up and when they walk along the road, mm-hmm. share their lives with the children and tell the stories of the community so that they would have a sense of identity and belonging. Yeah, And it's huge when you even look at, I mean, it's all throughout scripture for sure. And even when you look up the word genealogy kind of related to generations, often when uh, genealogy is used in the Bible, it's often used to reference and prove the identity of Christ. Mm -hmm. And so I think in the topic of generations in this thread we're talking about is central this concept of identity. And part of that identity formation can come from these these different generations speaking into our lives seeing things in our lives that maybe we couldn't see in each other and Mm -hmm. so you can look throughout scripture there's tons about investing in loving on sharing faith with um i think translated in our modern society why we're having this conversation is we just have to be intentional about it because it's not happening as organically as it used to and so maybe that's the call or the call to action i'm a big on action we can learn and hear a ton of things and that's wonderful but what are we going to do about it and so I would challenge us all, whether it's thanking someone who's gone before and invested in our lives or seeing and empowering someone rising up that it's time to start acting in Mm -hmm. in how we how we interact with one another. And and a simple smile, a simple I mean, I've worked in churches where 
we're just walking by each other in the hall and we're missing so many rich opportunities to hear our stories, our experience and lessons learned. And I can assure you the very things that many of our youth are struggling with, our elders could help so much by sharing their stories. Absolutely. There's so many one another's in scripture and it doesn't just apply to the people within 10 years of me. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I think we think it does. My peers, one another is my peer, but it's not, it's your elders, it's your children. It's everybody in that community, all ages. Mm -hmm. So I think that's Mm -hmm. when it, when you apply it like that, it's really beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you all for the opportunity. This has been fabulous. I love it. You can find Jessica's work on her website, jessicastallingsholder.com, and all her resources and her availability for speaking opportunities are listed there. Go check it out. You can find the resources that we mentioned on this interview on justaskyourmom.com. You can follow us on Facebook at Just Ask Your Mom or on Instagram at Just Ask Your Mom Podcast. We would love for you to rate and leave a review if you're listening, and better yet, subscribe so you can get each new Monday episode. If you have questions or topic suggestions, just email us, justaskyourmompodcast at gmail.com. And we'll see you next time on Just Just Ask Ask Your Mom. Mom.